I'm going back where I come. I'm going back where I come. I'm going back to Jile County. Tonight's show of sexual magic is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Are you having some problems in the bedroom? Or maybe you just want to spice up your sex life. Go to AdamandEve.com and use the promo code DRINKINGBROS to get 50% off one purchase along with free shipping. Peruse the catalog with your loved one and see if anything interests you. At AdamandEve.com, promo code DRINKINGBROS gets you 50% off in free shipping. You're welcome. Also, HardAFSeltzer.com. Some of the finest, hardest seltzer in the land. It's 8%, so you know it's good. You'll be blacked out within an hour if you drink three of these. Or, if you're a real hombre, you can gun through a whole case. We ship right to your house in 41 states, and we're live in over 100 stores in Tennessee. Go to hardafseltzer.com today and check out the store locator. Let's start the fucking show. My wife died and left me about We done pretty good ganged around. Making my way out of the trees, I can see my property from the top of the hill. I hear a loud scream that I would recognize anywhere echo from the lowlands. It's Loretta. In a panic, I ride hard down the hill toward the house. A scream like that can only mean one thing. Someone is dead. As I get closer, I see my kids outside crying next to her. She's lying on the ground screaming and pointing to the top of the barn where I see what appears to be a large gold statue swinging from a noose. I run toward her, confused. What the hell is going on? Why are you crying? I can't. It's just... It's totally fucking Mexico out there. Shit got that wild? No. It's our third youngest son. Totally fucking Mexico. He's dead. Sorry. I always forget that we named him on vacation. Where's his body? She points up to the golden statue and screams. That's him. Right there. They dipped him in a pot of melted gold. I look up at totally fucking Mexico hanging there, frozen in solid gold. The rage inside me begins to boil. I'm barely able to get out the words. Who did this? I don't know who they were. They grabbed me when I was inside cooking dinner, but I didn't recognize them. All of them had gold teeth. Listen to me, Lou. I want you to know that I will find the motherfuckers who did this and they will pay with their own lives. My wife stares daggers at me as she sobs uncontrollably, knowing full well I already know who killed him. I hold her in my arms as I look down at my children. All of them are crying except for Daniel, my eldest, who has a look of anger in his eyes like he wants to kill. It's the same look I've had my whole life. Lou, put the kids in their rooms. I want to talk to Daniel alone. All right. She says as she wipes away her tears and takes the other kids upstairs. What happened here today, boy? I asked Daniel. Mom was cooking dinner while me and the boys were playing hide and never come back. All of a sudden, 
This group of rowdy redneck men came riding out of the woods and scooped up totally fucking Mexico. They said something about you killing their brothers and this was an eye for an eye. One of the brothers was riding with a wagon towing a cauldron. They put a bunch of gold in it, built a fire, waited for it to melt, then threw him in. And they made Mom watch. Our neighbor, Mr. Paulson, didn't help out? Nope. That motherfucker. I'll deal with him later. Women are off limits, obviously, but I killed two of theirs. Why didn't they try to kill two of you? I told you we were hiding and never coming back. Why weren't you coming back? Because we hate you. He slowly pulls a buck knife from behind his back that is blood dripping off of it. Good. You're supposed to hate your father. Why is there blood on your knife? They rode out in the forest past me after they hung totally fucking Mexico. I jumped out from behind a tree and got one in the leg. He fell off his horse, but I don't think they noticed. Is he still out there? I think so. He was bleeding real good. All right. I'm proud of you. Go grab the ladder and cut your brother down. I'll see if that man is still out there. When he runs off, I well up with fatherly pride. I don't know if it's possible for a male's balls to drop around eight years old, but I'll be goddamn if that little motherfucker's didn't hit the dirt in that moment. He's growing up to be a badass right before my very eyes. Looking down, I spot a trail of blood on the ground leading into the woods. As I follow it to the tree line, I can hear a male grunting. It's either a man dying, or it's someone in the end stages of a sweet J-off sesh. Up ahead in the trail, I see a half-drunk bottle of Goldschlager with a bloody handprint on it. I stop and pick it up, and the grunting gets louder. Ahead in the distance, I spot one of the fat little Schlager brothers propped up against a tree, tying a knot around a knife wound in his leg with a ripped-off shirt sleeve. I casually stroll over to him and clear my throat loudly. <clears throat> Did your hymen break? I ask. The tubby little haunted troll goes to grab his gun, but I quickly draw mine and put a bullet through his hands. His gun flies ten feet backward and he screams in anguish. His face turns pale and I laugh as I take a long pull of Goldschlager. You want some? Me? I'm not a fan of this shit. There's just too much fucking gay in it. You can have it. I pour out all the contents of the bottle into his open wounds. He screams and clutches his leg like a beaten woman. The rest is kind of hazy. I don't know what proof that Goldschlager is, but that shit has been sneaking up on me all day. The last thing I remember is him begging for his life, crying and saying he'll do anything I want, along with the requisite please don't kill me bullshit. Obviously, I execute him using every bullet inside my gun, probably starting with non-vital organs first, ending his life really slowly so he feels every single shot fired. The one thing I'm not positive about is if I pissed on his dead body or not afterwards. I'm not kidding. I used to do shit like that just so people had a really fucked up mental experience before they left this earth. Wait, now I remember. Of course I fucking pissed on him. He killed my son. With the sun starting to set behind me, I button my pants and walk out of the forest. Through the kitchen window, I can see my wife and kids sitting at the dinner table preparing to eat. 
Loretta is valiantly trying to hold it together as tears stream down her face. I take my hat off and walk in and join them at the table. She grabs the hands of our boys sitting on both sides of her and bows her head. Please join hands in a moment of silence for totally fucking Mexico, she says softly. Just as we bow our heads, we hear the rope being cut and a loud gong sound outside from the statue hitting the ground. I cut him down, Dad! Daniel screams out. Loretta loses it and bursts into hysterics. She takes her napkin off her lap and throws it on the table, excusing herself. The rest of us sit in silence as we pick at our meal. I consider saying something to her about burning the veal as she's leaving, but I think better of it at the last second. I'll tell her tomorrow. Daniel walks in and sits across from me at the table. Dad, did you K-I-L-L that guy in the forest? Yeah. And I fucking U-R-I-N-A-T-E-D on him, too. He stares at me confused, as do the rest of my children. If he's gonna spell out shit like he's a big man, he better know all the big boy words. I try to eat my shitty food, but I can't stop thinking about all the different ways I'm going to fuck up my neighbor, Mr. Balson, when he gets home. I know he works late because each of us only has one neighbor, and you know everything about them. You go to church with them on Sundays, cook each other pies, biscuits, casseroles, all that bullshit. More important, you look after them and make sure they are safe. As a man, you know to look out for your neighbor's wife and kids if they are in trouble. Guy code shit. Instead, my cocksucking neighbor Ron Paulson did nothing, and for that he will feel my fucking wrath. I'd ride down to his office now, but it's best if I catch him right when he walks into his house so I can beat him in front of his wife. This will ensure a mental scar that will stay with him forever and make him feel weaker in her presence every time they're together the rest of their lives. I'm going to enjoy every fucking second of it, too. I know that may sound sick, but you don't just sit there with your hands on your dick while your neighbor's kid is getting dipped into hot gold. My four-year-old, whose name I'm blanking on, looks up at me deep in thought. Dad, should I bring some veal and cabbage out to totally fucking Mexico? He asks. All of my boys look up at me for an answer. For the first time ever, I have to be a real father. My voice cracks, and I'm barely able to muster up the words. He's not very hungry right now. And he wants me to have it. I take his plate and scrape his meal onto mine before I get up. On the way out, I lean down and whisper into Daniel's ear, You're the oldest, so I want you to keep an eye on your brothers tonight. I gotta go ball your mom. She's probably grieving, so don't disturb us unless it's an emergency. Daniel nods silently as I head into the bedroom with my double plate of veal and cabbage. I'm fucking starving, but I know I'm not going to get to eat anytime soon. As I close the bedroom door behind me, a large perfume bottle whizzes by my head and smashes against the top of the door frame. Loretta is crying hysterically, looking for something else to throw. She sees my prized banjo hung on the wall and grabs it by the neck, raising it above her head. I hate you! She screams. Don't you dare throw it! That's my favorite banjo! You did this! You're the reason he died, asshole! I quickly put my dinner plate down on the bed and sprint over to her, grabbing her arms before she can throw the banjo at me. 
We struggle, then I squeeze a pressure point under her armpit and she slowly releases it, crumpling to the floor, sobbing. I take the banjo and carefully hang it back on the wall where it belongs. You care more about that goddamn banjo than you do your own family. She gets up and starts punching my chest, yelling, You killed him! You killed my third youngest baby boy! He was my favorite! I grab her and pull her tightly into my flex pecs. I loved him too. That kid was worth his weight and... Shit. And I knew it the second it came out of my mouth. Loretta tries to shove me away from her, but it's like trying to push a mountain up another mountain. She slaps me hard against the face and I slap her right back. She then spits at me, which I catch with my hand, jamming it down my pants, using it to gently stroke my cock to get it hard. I lift her up against the nightstand while she tries to squirm away. What are you doing? She shouts. Giving you that child that was just taken from you. Time to get pregnant. I put my finger on her mouth, shushing her, because I'm pretty sure she's going to try and say something. This isn't a time for words. It's a time for lovemaking. The type of lovemaking I participate in when a child dies is different. It's furious and unrestrained. It's the type of love where you use quick, short thrusts while pulling the back of each other's hair with a firm grip. Both parties exert a lot of raw emotions and the sex is intense. You also never break eye contact because in a fucked up way, you're glad you're still alive and you're happy you're not the one who's frozen in gold. Quietly, I ask her if she wants to climax with me. She nods as I scream out into the nights. Your death will not go unavenged, Mexico. We climax hard together. Hers lasting longer than mine, obviously. She falls to the ground on top of me and begins sobbing lightly. I wipe her tears away and tuck her hair back behind her ears. Because it's in my face and I can't see anything. You're definitely pregnant after that. She exhales deeply and says, I'm sure of it. I scoop her up off the floor and lay her on the bed next to my plate of food. Don't eat that, I say as I head over to the wall and grab my banjo. She nods knowingly and positions herself against the headboard holding my dinner plate. I nestle myself between her thighs and begin to play a tune for her as she feeds me my dinner. She sways her head slowly to the rhythm and continues to feed me as I pluck my joe seductively. What happened out there today, St. James? I killed the man that day. What? Can't understand you. Your mouth is full of food. I swallow and look off into the distance. I killed some men today. Also, we might be out of gold. What do you mean, we might? be out of gold. The mine is empty. I sent my Chinaman home. We've got enough to live off here for the rest of our lives anyway. Actually, we don't. Those men took all of our gold out of the barn and put it in that cauldron to melt and throw totally fucking Mexico into. Stop playing my banjo. What? They covered totally fucking Mexico in my own gold? Yes, all of it. And Mr. Paulson did nothing to stop that either? She shakes her head no. Maybe it's not a bad thing, us losing all our gold. You've become a different person since you struck it rich. I miss the old you. 
We were so much happier when we were simple farmers, working 18 hours a day, all seven days a week, just to live. She knows I hate when she talks about me being poor, but she goes there anyways. I stand up and carefully place my banjo back on the wall before putting my jeans on. Maybe you were. You pretty much just hung out and did the same shit you were doing now, cooking and cleaning, tending to the kids and whatnot. I was out there busting my balls wide open every day just so we could eat shit made out of cornmeal. I put my boots on, throw on a shirt and holster up as I walk out. Where are you going, St. James? To handle shit like a boss. First stop, Mr. Bossens. That fuck should be home by now. On my way out, I see Daniel sharpening his knife on the front porch. He looks up at me as I pass him. Are you going to kill the rest of those men, Pa? No, son. When you kill someone or multiple people in the same family like I did, the rule of thumb is you give them at least a week to grieve before you kill another relative. That's why I'm going to give Mr. Paulson a workout. Can I come with you? Sorry, but you're too young to see something like this go down. This is some old-school shit that will fuck a man up on the inside. Daniel smiles at me as I hop on my steed and head off into the nights. This is a revenge ride, so there's really no need to explain in great detail how my pecs are flexing at max level as I glide on my horse alongside the river down to Mr. Paulson's house. I've got other shit on my mind. I do, however, manage to take a glance at my reflection in the water and see my triceps ripple as I hold the reins. They're as perfect as you can imagine. Riding up to Mr. Paulson's house, I laugh to myself at the size of it. Bullshit realtors would call it modest, but let's call a spade a spade here. The fucking thing looks like elves or cobblers live in it. As I'm tying up my steed, I notice that even his horse is shittier than mine. My steed resembles a goddamn racehorse. His looks like it's been giving ghost tours to carriages full of tourists downtown for 30 years. I reach down and move the eating trough and put it in front of my steed. You can fuck the other horse when you're done eating if you want to. I left enough slack in those reins, I whisper. He winks at me as I knock on the door. A woman in her early 30s, Sheila Paulson, answers and is immediately taken aback by my presence. She quickly tries to fuss with her hair to pretty herself up, but let me tell you, she's giving you a five back when you hand her a ten. Trying to fix her hair at the last second isn't going to make her a six. <laughs> Why, St. James? Ron didn't tell me you were coming over. I know. You would have made yourself look prettier. Did Ron tell you anything about what happened today up at my place? No. I heard some screaming, but Ron told me to hide in the bedroom and put a pillow over my face. He said we shouldn't get involved. Did he now? Where is Ron? As soon as the question leaves my lips, Ron appears through the back door of the house with a newspaper under his arm, holding a lit lantern. He's a taller, gimpy, balding man in his 40s who owns the town printing press. What you're picturing in your head right now is exactly what he looks like. His face freezes in fear at the sight of me standing in his living room. Hey, Ron. How was your day? Uh, it, 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 it was good, you know. I was just reading over tomorrow's newspaper before it goes to print in the morning. Reading it over a nice hearty deuce, I see. Well, no, I was just out back reading it by lantern. May I see it? Sure. He says, somewhat surprised. 
He hands me the paper, and I read over it quickly, shaking my head in mock disappointments. I then hold it up for him to see the entire front page, tilting it from side to side. It's strange. I don't see a headline in here that says, Four-year-old boy killed from being dipped into scalding hot gold while neighbor watches and does nothing. Probably because that would be a run-on sentence. You can't join two independent clauses. He cuts himself off and quickly looks away. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. You don't? That's odd. Because your wife said you made her hide in the bedroom and put a pillow over her face while the screaming was going on up at my house today. That screaming could have been for anything, St. James. You and your wife have sex a lot. Normally, that excuse would fly because it's true. But did you not hear a little boy's voice crying out as well? You know I never fuck directly in front of my children. If you had any children of your own, you would understand. We've been trying, St. James, but Sheila just can't. She can't? Or you can't? St. James, that's not fair. It's hot in here. You mind if I take my shirt off, Ron? No, please don't. It's too late. I've already taken off my shirt and placed it on his coat rack. Ron nervously shakes his head as Sheila licks her lips slightly. I'm not going to lie. I may have thrown a half inch of butter on the ride over just to accentuate my physique. Deliberately, I begin to take off my belt loop by loop. As the belt slithers through each rung, Ron is visibly shaking like a man with Parkinson's holding a set of wind chimes. Once I've successfully pulled my belt all the way through, I snap it in the air. I crack my neck back and forth before slowly walking over to Ron. Out of my peripheral vision, I spot a bowl of water to wash up in, and I dip my belt into it. Ron puts his hands up in front of his face. St. James, please, sir. Oh, look at you. You're putting your hands up to protect yourself. I wish someone would have protected my little boy today before he was melted into hot fucking gold. Ron flinches and covers his head as I unleash my belt right across the fat part of his back. He buckles to the floor and lets out a high-pitched preteen white girl scream. I bet Daniel is on the front porch back home smiling, listening to this little pig shit cry. Ron balls himself up into the phenol position on the ground, preparing for the worst, which is coming. I rise up again and again, continuing to beat him with my wet belt. In my blind rage, I look over and see Sheila hiding behind a door, peeking out at me. I notice her smirking through clenched teeth. Each time I beat Ron, she seems more into it, as if she's rooting for me. She bites her lips seductively. You enjoy watching me humiliate him like this? Yes. She says softly. Ron looks at her with disdain, but she ignores him and starts to undo her dress with a zeal she probably hasn't experienced since she was 19. Her dress hits the floor and Sheila shows no shame. Most women her age would try and cover up, but she doesn't even flinch. She may be a five on the outside, but goddamn if she hasn't been hiding a seven body underneath her colonial dress all these years. I want you to fuck me like I deserve it. She says, No, I'm going to fuck you like Ron deserves it. Ron begs through muffled tears. Please, I beg you, I can't take this. 
He didn't have a hard time hearing my son beg for his life, so me fucking his wife in front of him on the family kitchen table that they eat from every night is only fair. I take Ron's arms and legs and methodically hogtie this fat fucker on the floor with my belt. After I'm satisfied that he can't move, I push him over so he's on his side, facing up at the table. Taking two long, bigfoot strides over to Sheila, I lift her up and insert myself into her at the same time. We crash against the kitchen wall and make out like two Mexican teenagers underneath a picnic table at a quinceanera. Pots and pans hanging from above crash to the floor. Without looking down, I kick them at Ron while I grab Sheila's surprisingly firm ass as I walk fucker over to the table. With my free arm, I clear off a delicious dinner of sautéed carrots and a skirt steak that she has made for Ron. The plates shatter right in front of his face as well. His sobbing isn't enough for me. It's time for the real emotional scarring. I begin to fuck Sheila like Ron never could in a million goddamn years. With her back on the table, I lift her legs up above my shoulders. For Ron's wife, because I respect her, I go with the jackhammer because I want to maintain a controlled amount of penetration with rhythmic timing. I also want Ron to know that this move is part of my regular arsenal and then I can maintain it for long periods of time, something that he could never do. Again, I cannot stress how important my sexual precision is in moments like these. It adds years of destruction to someone's conscience. With a decent sweat worked up, I walk over to the wood-burning oven, still full bone, and open the door so it gets even hotter in here. We're now licking each other's sweat and biting one another. Sheila asked me to choke her, and of course I blush. Just as she can't take it anymore, I tell her I'm going to climax with her. Climaxing with someone's wife in front of them is the final nail in the coffin. I look over to Ron, who is sweating profusely and crying. He just wants this to end, but I won't let it quite yet. I snap my fingers to get his full attention. I want you to listen to me, Ron. As I climax, I want you to look me in the eyes. Do you understand? Through his crying, he weakly says, Okay. With eye contact now established, I pick up the pace of my thrust and apply more pressure to Sheila's throat. She starts moaning like she's from a foreign country. As I climax, I hear my steed climax outside as well, which makes me happy to know that my horse fucked Ron's horse too. With our eyes still fixated on one another's, I squint intensely and whisper to Ron, I now live inside your mind forever. Mentally and physically broken, he closes his eyes and he blacks out from the heat. I rise up off Sheila and thank her, but she has no words. She instead takes my hand and begins blessing herself, sign of the cross style, before I unwrap my belt from around Ron's arms and legs. His limbs hit the floor and he gingerly rolls over. Standing over him, I slap his face with my hand until his eyes open. I'll see you at the funeral this weekend, Sheila. It's potluck, so if you could bring some potato salad, that would be amazing. Of course. See you then. Tell Loretta she's in our thoughts and prayers. I will. I throw on my clothes and walk out of the front door just in time to see my horse dismount Ron's horse. We both nod at each other for a job well done. 
As I'm pulling away, Sheila waves at me from the front porch. With the revenge factor taken care of with Ron, my mind shifts to my gold problem in killing the rest of the Schlager brothers. Per usual, I stop by the river outside my house to wash off my dick and balls. I only wish my dead son was able to be downriver so he could taste this. I dunk my entire body underwater and sit at the bottom of the river. A bright orb of light shines in front of my face in the water. I wipe my eyes and refocus, finally making out the image. It's totally fucking Mexico. He's staring straight at me, almost looking through me. In a tree of life whisper, I hear him say the words, I forgive you, Father. I can taste this water. Fuck yeah. That makes me happy. His ghost then high-fives me before vanishing. I smile at peace with myself and the life decisions I've made. I knew he'd understand. Realizing I've been underwater for almost eight minutes, I rise to the surface gasping for air. I see the moon shining down on his dead gold statue out in the yard, so I throw an index finger in the air out of respect, like when Kobe left the court after dropping 81 on the raptors. Walking out of the river, I air dry up to the house where I see Daniel waiting for me on the front porch. He nods at me with a knowing smirk. To answer your question, no. I'm not uncomfortable being buck naked in front of my sons either. I want them to know what they will look like in adulthood. It's a lot better than what any of their bullshit female teachers could teach them about puberty and becoming a man. This is the real shit. Hanging brains right in front of his face. Daniel knows this and respects it. I know what you did out at Ron's farm, Dad. You do? He nods his head. Yeah, I just want you to know. I shut the window so Mom wouldn't hear. (laughs) Thank you. That's what a real man does. I'm proud of you. My dong grazes against his head as I lean in and hug him. Slightly embarrassed, I take a step back. Realizing this is the first time I've ever hugged him. I take a seat next to him on the porch and grab a small tobacco tin that rests on the step. Shaking the remaining water off my hands, I pull out a couple rolling papers and hand roll us two cigarettes. Just like my dad did for me around eight years old. He strikes a match off the porch and lights our smokes. With his first inhale, he coughs a little and I laugh at him and call him a bitch. It's one of those magical moments in life where you're able to sit down buck naked on the porch with your son after you've just fucked your neighbor's wife and share a smoke. (laughs) Look at you trying to puff tough. I love it, I say to him. Are these things healthy for me? Daniel asks as he looks at the cigarettes. A lot healthier than that bullshit milk your mom gives you. When's the last time you were at the doctor's office and he wasn't smoking? Never. Exactly. Now, when's the last time you rolled into the doctor's office and he was relaxing, drinking a warm glass of milk? Never. That was knowledge I just gave you. I guess you're right. What are you going to do about the Schlagers, Dad? Kill everyone in sight and take their gold? I have to assess the situation and see how many there are. I don't want any more of you guys getting offed. I'm a fucking amazing human being, but I'm only one man. But yes... More than likely, I'll start killing everyone real soon. If you need any help or a human shield or anything, I'm in. (laughs) 
I don't think that will be necessary. But it's nice to know you do something like that for me. I'm tough, Dad. I will prove myself to you. You already have. I saw that schlager you took out in the woods. Nice fucking work. See you tomorrow, cowboy. I stand up and take one last drag off my cigarette before flicking it off into the yard. With the calmness of a rapist, I ease up the stairs of the house and sneak into bed with Loretta. I can still hear her sobbing as she stares out of the window at the golden statue of our dead son in the yard. I'm going into town tomorrow to make funeral arrangements. Do you want to come with me? I ask. No. I can't bear to see those tiny coffins. Have you thought about cremation? We sure could use the gold right about now. Don't you fucking dare. Our son deserves a proper burial. Okay. We'll table that combo for the nights. 